dissect the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Kirsty Logan. With me is my co-host Heather Parry. Hi. Hi. It's episode four. And our co-co-host Rosie the dog. Gassy Bennett Logan. Who is fully, she's like lying on her front with both paws like spread out to the side like a cartoon. Like she's trying to be a bit strange. incredibly flat. Like as if she's gone splat from a great height. But she's not doing it with her back so it's not working. Yeah, I don't, who knows what this goes should, on. This should just be Describing Rosie, the podcast, because that's all we do now. <laughs> you know, I haven't really been going anywhere. The dog, watching the dog is about the only joy and entertainment that I have in yeah. my life. I can't remember what I did without cats. Yeah. Yeah, I just love them so much. I thought you were going to say I can't remember what I did with them. And I was like, are they not? I don't know where they are. In the house? <laughs> or what did you do with them? Like, I was so, we went away for a night the other night. And I was so, like, worried about them in the middle of the night. And then in the morning... And they were fine, obviously. Of course they were fine. obviously you checked on them as well. But yeah, I was like, oh, I just love these guys so much. Even though they knacker me out and are very expensive. Because like, they're so <laughs> helpless without you. Oh, they're just Why? little faces around their big eyes. Anyway, welcome to Whiny Cat Noises. <laughs> Hormonal women talk about pets. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing today, Kirsty? We are doing Missing by R.L. Stein. As part of our Fear Street series. If you've come into the... Um, <laughs> if you've come in. If you've just come. Uh, the This season is all Fear Street. We're doing an all Fear Street season. Um, which people were very excited about when I announced it. Do it. <laughs> Except Heather, she wasn't excited when I told her that was my plan. I think I just kind of like melted a little bit and then just text back, okay. Okay. <laughs> if we have to. Um, so... You just texted like back a letter at a time. Oh. Okay. <laughs> a. Why? Sad face. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're doing Missing, which is not called The Missing, which I thought it was called, and therefore I couldn't find it on Goodreads. Mm. Um, and, uh, Are you ready for the cover? Yeah. Here she be. Where does one even begin? <laughs> it, oh. <laughs> so, you know, at the beginning of The Lion King? I remember it, yes. When he um, Mustafa goes to the end of... Pride rocks like big mm-hmm. point and holds up Simba. We're there. We're exactly there cool. oh, from yeah. exactly that angle. So we are. Um, except I would inste- see that as like a penis rock, but okay. Instead of uh, a... What, what was Mustafa? A gibbon? A baboon? No, Mustafa was the lion. Oh yeah, sorry. Who am I talking about? Oh, what was he called? Oh my God, I have to Google it. The, I think he was a baboon. What was his name? Uh, and he had a Rafiki was a it giant, Rafiki? yeah it was Rafiki oh does he hold the lion up yeah you're right he does yeah he does Look, so a long time since I've seen The Lion King <laughs> I had it on VHS and I watched it so much and I specifically watched the bit at the beginning where the baby Simba sneezes because I thought it was the cutest thing I'd ever seen and I watched it so much the VHS wore out on the little sneeze bit wow <laughs> <laughs> Rafiki is a you're like you're like when um, teenagers like rewind to the dirty bits and it, it runs out except it's the cute bit yeah that's so wholesome but I'm not even like that maternal of a person so Rafiki well even if you were you wouldn't be able to have a lion oh really <laughs> I mean not not birthed by you <laughs> okay uh, is a mandrel Rafiki oh. whose name means friend in Swahili is a mandrel with an unnaturally long tail he lives in a baobab bow bow bab Baobab tree mm-hmm. uh, and performs shamanic services for the Lions of Pride Rock. He's also a great martial artist. So we were listening to Circle of Life the other day because that's what we do in my car. We we play <laughs> only CDs we've gotten from the charity shops and it's really fun. Um, and oh, I was CD like, CD player in your car? Oh yeah. Wow. Hello. It's nine years old. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> Impressive. We used to have a tape player in our old car. <laughs> and we we were like singing, obviously. And I was listening, and I was like, oh, you know, in Disney songs, they used to have words like um, uh, genuflect, because yeah. it had, like, Prince Ali on there as well, which is a fucking great song. Do you know that's how I learned the phrase quid pro quo? Quid pro quo! Lion King. They used to have genuflect, mm-hmm. they used to have quid pro quo, they used to have Swahili, Swahili words at the beginning mm-hmm. of songs. And I was like, what? I bet these are the only Swahili words an still... entire generation of white kids knew. Maybe they still do. I haven't seen any of the new ones. No. Maybe I, I bet they do. Because, like, Moana's set on 
Hawaii, is it? Yeah. I bet there's words there. Okay. Hawaii. Well, I mean, we all know some Hawaii, don't we? Some Hawaiian. Well, we know Aloha. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's, That's all I know. And I only know that from a kid's TV show that I watched. Is it? Which, which show is it? It was called Cricket's Clubhouse. Does anyone in the entire world remember this apart no. from me? I had a video, a VHS of Cricket's Clubhouse, and that's how I learned the word aloha. Ah, nice. And I, it also had the numbers in Spanish that I learned. Oh, cool. Yeah. I guess the modern version of that would be Ni Hao Kai Lan. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Ni Hao is uh, hello in... Japanese? Mandarin? Oh, is it? Oh, one, I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, we're getting way off it. So. I'm very horribly monolingual, so I don't know. <laughs> the cover. Yes. It's like, we're looking... You were trying to take us away from the cover, but you can't. I have to get back. We can't escape. So we're at Pride Rock, and we're looking down onto the spiky penis rock of Pride Rock, but instead of Rafiki the Mandrill and the very cute baby Simba, we've got two kids who are like doing, like, run a... You know, like, what's this? This like, is like the Running stands... Man dance. Yeah, the... Like, They're the most 80s kids ever. Yeah, they. he looks like he's straight out of Greece, and mm-hmm. she looks like she's quite boring pretty girl with a pink top on but they're doing the kind of like she's running dressed away. like challenge annika as well <laughs> she's dressed like <laughs> challenge annika and then there's like nothing in the background there's just yeah. some green and blue and some clouds and then it says missing below horrible fear straight rl time rl stein bit in red at the top and what is the tagline i can't read it uh first their parents disappeared then the real terror began well to be fair that's the entire book so yeah. I don't think we have so, to do the rest of the episode. So this has been Teenage Scream. <laughs> if you want to join the Patreon. <laughs> no, we'll do the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Have you got the book there? Because I will have to read the opening. No, I haven't. Okay, well... So I'll, that's the end of that. I'll open up the laptop that I was trying to avoid using. <laughs> okay. Um, it's really dull. I'm going to give people a heads up now that it's just really dull. Yeah, because we quite liked last week's book. It, it was had, quite fun. It had promise. Yeah, it, it was a four out of five, which, which is, is high high for Robot Stein. High praise. But I'm going to say straight up, not so much this one. Well, it sets out our stall from the very beginning. Chapter one. The first night mum and dad didn't come home, Mark and I weren't terribly upset about it. In fact, we had a party. It didn't start out to be a party. We were feeling kind of lonely, so Mark invited Gina over. Then I called my new friends from school, Lisa and Shannon. And they invited some kids, and before we knew it, there were about 20 of us partying, all in the large living room that was still so new and uncomfortable to Mark and me. We had just moved in two months before, to, at the beginning of September, just in, t- uh, just in time to start school at Shadyside High. Irrelevant. The school's got <laughs> nothing to do with it. And even though the house was twice as roomy as our old house in Brookline, Lean? Brookline. I don't know that place. Me neither. I guess it's a real place. It was older and kind of run down. The kids we met at school always acted surprised when we said we lived on Fair Street. They were always always telling us stories about horrible things that had happened around Fair Street and in the thick woods, well, like thick woods, that ran behind the houses. Stories about strange creatures, unexplained disappearances, ghosts, and weird howls and stuff. So, um, none of that's relevant, apart from the fact that their parents mm-hmm. aren't there. Uh, <laughs> the school's not relevant, what? the street's not relevant, here's what's happening. Oh, and also, we, it's hard to find out what the main character's name is because she doesn't introduce oh, yeah. herself. What is it? It's Kara. Oh. And the perspective switches. So we get three chapters from Kara and then suddenly we're Mark for a bit and then it moves back yeah. without explaining which is who. And to no purpose. To no purpose other than it's a device. Because it's not like one of them has information that the other one doesn't have. No. So there's no point to it. We just hear their thoughts. <laughs> Which aren't that interesting. Yeah, they're so, incredibly bland uh, thoughts. So, as you heard, Kara and her brother Mark have just moved to Shadyside, a house on Fear Street. They don't even bother telling us the number. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? I feel like that should at least be consistent. I mean, how are you going to add that now to the map that you're making of Fear Street? Well, I want to be able happen? to put the map together and he's made it so I can't because he can't be bothered to do the map himself. Will Ma- it help you if there's a number? It's number one. It's not number one. Okay. It's number 17. You know, American streets are really long, aren't they? I have a question about that in one of the subsequent books, how long American streets are. Why do they never seem to live at number one? It's always number 1290. (laughs) You know? I don't know. I did used to live near the longest street in North America. (sighs) Bet that was really fucking long. It was really long. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so Mark has already got himself a girlfriend, Gina, who has, Kirsty, a great bod. Oh. <laughs> Didn't we have a bod in another Fear Street book? Yeah, it was, you don't care about history, you only care about bod. His bod! Again, I think that was on a Patreon. See, we've only been doing the Patreons for a while now, so they're very much in our minds. <laughs> Did anyone say bod in the 90s? Like, really? He's got such a great bod. I think there was a cartoon character called Bod. Uh, no, that's, uh, Pob. I think there was also, wasn't it also Bod? I'm talking about the one that looks like Michael Gove. I remember, I wouldn't have said that, but yeah, I see it now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Pob's separate, or maybe I just dreamt Bod, who knows. My dad used to call me a Pob all the time. Aww. Being such a Pob. Oh, was it, it, that was an insult, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah, it was an insult. Oh, thanks, <laughs> Mr. Heather. <laughs> um, so I'm going to describe Gina to you. She was also really pretty, with long, straight black hair down to her waist, creamy white skin. Ding 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 ding. No one's ever white got white supremacy. Oh yeah, no one's ever got brown hair in these books. They're always bright blonde, redhead little brother, or long, straight black hair. Yeah, they're the three people. Three colors. Um, creamy white skin, dab your mm-hmm. white supremacy, without a blemish. Amazing teenager. Have you ever met a teenager without a blemish? No, would, actually, yes, I would some hate do. them. I, would I hate did. Them. And beautiful black eyes. No one has black eyes. That absolutely drove boys crazy. All of the goy, all of the goyim. Uh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say the goiters. All of the goiters. <laughs> all of the guys at school think Gina is really sexy, and she is. To be fair, she sounds it. She sounds it. So Kara and Mark's parents haven't come home, and they're having a party, as we heard. And then the cops show up about a burglary. A few doors down. Burglary. <laughs> what do you say? Burglary. Bur- bur- burglary. No, I like burglary. You said burglary weird last week. Did I? You did, and I didn't mention it at the time. <laughs> but I'm glad to see I've not did been I offered the same. On, did I do it on purpose? <laughs> burglary. I burglary. like it. Burglary. No, I like it. A burglar. Burglar. Is it like how Americans, like we say jewellery, and they say jewellery. Well, they say burglarize, and that's one of my least favourite things that's on the weird, fucking it? planet. It's like when people say, oh, you've been really satiated. The word is sated. Nobody would say... Do people say satiated? All the time. Well, also, apparently it's incorrect to say you feel nauseous. You should say you feel nauseated. nauseated. But I don't yeah. know. I don't think anybody says that. A teacher put me up on that in high school. When I was feeling ill. <laughs> I think you're allowed to say you're nauseous because everybody says it. Exactly. But yeah. you're not really allowed to say satiated because I say. Okay. And also burglarised. It's not a word. It's burgled. Yeah, it's weird to say burglarised. Why are you putting in extra bits? Why are you making it longer and more difficult? And Life's then, hard enough. And then you say that we put extra letters in things. Exactly. Which we do. That's yeah, true. we do. This is why we spell thruff. <laughs> it's when it should be through. <laughs> you can't spell it T-H-R-U. That's wrong. Yet it's accurate, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> if you want to make English make sense, there's a lot of work to be done. Anyway, the burglary, burglary isn't really doesn't really make any sense. Um, so, But the guy's not in a police car. We'll note that. Plot point, plot point. Yeah. Uh, Kirsty, and then someone does a prank about oh. fake vomit. Ding, ding, right. ding, ding. Dab your... it. Yep, dob your dabber. So they're nervous about their parents who are cool parents, young parents, who sometimes don't come home from work because they've gone partying. Because they're too busy being science people. <laughs> i got to tell you, I have a friend in Canada whose parents, like, discovered, like, partying in their, like, 40s. Oh. And it was not a fun time for their children who were already in teenagers by that point do you know see if they'd grown up in glasgow they would have got out of their systems by the time they were 15 <laughs> like the rest of us <laughs> and by the by the time you're 20 everyone in glasgow is sick of drinking and parties because we've been doing it for so long and then you're just over it yeah can't be speaking, bothered anymore speaking of someone who is not exactly a party i will say Kirsty. um anyway these are cool young i parents. used to be when i was 15 <laughs> but i'm old now i'm over it i remember going to a club with you Maybe like four or five years ago. And I swear to God, by about half ten you wanted to go home. That's because it was David Bowie night. And I don't even like David Bowie. I don't know what's wrong with you. Well, he's fine. That's like, a you problem. There's like five songs that are fine. No. But it was like three hours solid of David Bowie. That's no, just too let's, much. Let's move on because okay. I'll get upset. Uh, <laughs> um, so it's not that weird that they've kind of not come home. Um, and sometimes they work all night. Which I think is kind of, you know, maybe... Bad parenting? I don't know. We don't know how old Mark and Kara are. Um, some people have to stay out all night, but usually... I mean, they're teenagers. I'm going to take that away. That's fine. They can't phone... Their parents, however, because the phone is out, 
But then, Kirsty, it turns out there's another person in that house and they've just forgotten he existed for the first pages. I, I think this book is not one that Robot Stein planned in advance because there's quite a few moments where they kind of go, oh, of course, this thing or this person who's never been mentioned before. And do you know what, Robot Stein, there's this little thing called foreshadowing, which most writers do. Or I just don't think you have to foreshadow someone else existing. You just have to not have them like jump when he arrives and then go, oh yeah, this other guy lives in oh, our I house. Oh, I forgot he lived here. Forgotten about. It's so stupid. I'm going to say it, this book is fucking drivel. Like, it's so... I don't think he planned it as he was writing it. I don't yeah. think he engaged with anything he was putting on the page while it was happening. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so mad about it. Anyway, they've forgotten that Roger existed, his mum's cousin. Uh, even though he's really hot, with sandy brown hair and dark, intense eyes. Looks just like a model in a magazine. Why is everyone in the Fear Street books ludicrously good-looking? That's your two choices. You or can fat. be Yeah, you can be the fat loser or you can be a model. That's yeah. it. That's the two types of people. And of course, we fat people can't be attractive. Meatloaf or other. <laughs> fat people oh, cannot, no. you know, in Robert Stein's world, they cannot be funny or interesting or sexy. Like, Robert Stein, have you even seen Lizzo? Please. Many, yeah. Although, to be fair, when this book came out, Lizzo probably wasn't born yet. Oh my god, don't. I know. Lizzo younger than me. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh. She's not in her 20s. <sighs> yeah. Moving on. Switches. <laughs> we switch perspective now to be from Mark's view again, which is annoying. Um, and then Kara screams at an unmade bed. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even the worst one. It's not even the worst one. And she explains it thus. I guess it was the way the bedspread is half on the floor and the sheet is all balled up like that. (sighs) Terrifying. Horrible. It was half on the floor, Kirsty. Oh, God. And then it was balled up on the bed. Sounds (laughs) awful. I would scream. And then they they jump again. Um, and the person they're jumping about is Roger, again. For fuck's sake. Why make him a person? Why not make him a giant red herring imbued with his power of speech? Because <laughs> it would do the same fucking thing. That would be quite fun. <laughs> Roger jumped, I jumped because he was a massive uh, red fish. <laughs> Just there, waddling around the room. There was an eerie stench of the seas. <laughs> is this is this the bit where they find him hiding behind the curtain or is that later? That's then. Okay, because I would like to have a little moment for this. Because <laughs> it's suspicious because they're in the room talking and they don't know he's there. And then he kind of emerges from behind a curtain and he says he has his Walkman that he's listening to because he has this little kind of some kind of battery device. And he's like, that's my Walkman. But there are no headphones. So he's definitely wanking behind <laughs> the curtain. <laughs> but why would he have the Walkman? And it's some kind of weird sex toy. Some solo sex toy. <laughs> some kind of little buzzy device that you put your penis in. What else could it be? But look like a cassette player. Well, they're not looking at it that closely. He doesn't want them to see it. He's just had his cock in it. Why would you wank behind a curtain? Well, he's got a room. Well, going to do it. Well, that's true. <laughs> Where are you at? Where else are you going to do he's it? Got... Well, if he wanted to be in that room, <laughs> I assumed he was peeping out the window at somebody. I assumed it. I nothing because it didn't make any sense. I didn't even think about it. There's no point in trying I was to like, guess. Clearly, he's wanking at the window like one does. <laughs> well, they don't jump at that, but they do jump at a breeze blowing the curtains. Robot Stein loves that, doesn't he? He loves a scary breeze. I'm just so disappointed. And then they find a monkey skull. And as you know, Kirsty, a skull is the most terrifying thing that anyone can look at, find, describe, think about. This whole monkey skull plotline. It really bothers me. Yeah. She held it up and turned it around so I could see it better. It was a carved white monkey's head. What, sorry. <laughs> you could... Should, a white monkey's head. Should you just say a monkey's a white head? Or a skull. Or a skull. because We know a skull. what a skull, a skull is. About the size of a ping pong ball. It's quite small. Well, there that's was, a small monkey. There were rhinestones deep in the eye sockets. They glowed yellow in the light from the bed... Ti- uh, for bed table lamp. Bed table. Weird sentence. Does it say that? Bed, Bed table. table lamp. Bedside table. Nobody read this. Nobody's read this book as closely <laughs> as we have, ever. No one's read this book, full no. stop. I took it from her and rolled it around between my fingers. Strange. It feels so cold. I know, Kara said, and I could see a flash of fear across her face. There's something creepy about it. And I started. I stared into its shimmering eyes. It seemed to stare back into mine. 
It was carved ivory, the monkey's twin nostrils deep and dark, its teeth pulled back, the width of its face and an ugly, frightening grin. It was smooth, so cold. And those rhinestones seemed to radiate, so, sorry, seemed to peer into mine. Seemed to radiate, what? Radiate evil. So it's not, you can't be mad at a skull for grinning also. It doesn't have a choice. And it's also not a real skull. Oh. Despite they've said all that, it's it's carved ivory. Oh. So it's just a carving of a monkey's skull. Why is it so terrifying? Anyway. It doesn't sound terrifying. It sounds like something that I would have had in my room when I was a teenager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A carved skull with little sparklies on it. It's... I'm, ju- I'm just disappointed. So there's a... <laughs> We're not angry, robot. No, I am angry as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's a van on their street... Mark thinks he sees Roger go into it in the middle of the night, but Roger meets him on the landing. Their parents still aren't there in the morning, so they go and snoop in Roger's room, which I think is not cool, and they find a gun. What? And it's not a zap gun from last episode's book. Oh, a real one. It's a real gun. Their parents aren't answering their work phone. Their car is still in the drive. Um, They... (laughs) This is a weird aside. The guy in the van outside their place, they see him. He had rows and rows of perfect white teeth. What, like the xenomorph? How many rows? <laughs> like, like... <laughs> or like a shark with like multiple rows. Yeah. I guess he was handsome with his white blonde hair. Rows and rows, not arrow. Rows and rows. Rows and rows of perfect white teeth. I guess he was handsome, but with his white blonde hair, pale skin, and We're sparkling... imagining like he opens his coat and it's just teeth. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> With his sparkling white teeth, he was practically an albino. So we've gone so white supremacist oh that people have to be have to have albinism now to be adequately white for robot spine. What's wrong with you, robot? That's rough, isn't Why it? Why can't you stand any melanin <laughs> or like vague pigmentation? It's fucking ludicrous. So they go to their parents' place of work, which is called Something Industries. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is it? Hang on. It's called Something Industries. It's called Cranford Industries. <laughs> Have made good notes. Um, and the fucking CEO talks to them. So this t- doesn't make sense. <laughs> Teenagers wandered into a giant factory, which they somehow got through the harsh security by saying they wanted to speak to their parents. Like, why would they let you in? Anyway. and they, Well, first of all, they're like, no, nobody by that name works here. And then... For some reason, that alerts the CEO? No, that's not what happens. Oh. They get in. Is that later? And they talk to the CEO, and the CEO confirms that there has never been any one of their names working at Cran- Cranford Industries. As if the CEO would know that. Mm. As if a CEO would ever give you the time of day. Robert Stein has never met a CEO of a company. I don't know if I have. They're usually skiing. Okay. Well, I'm not skiing, that's why I've never met them. They certainly don't have a a Rolodex of people who work for them. Come on. Everyone who's ever worked there. And then we get four entire pages of trying to ring out the fact that Gina broke up with Mark to make out it was something scary. So she rings him, and there's something wrong with her voice, and Mark's all... (gasps) And then for the next four pages, we've got Mark going, something terrible has happened. Oh, he just looks so sad. She broke up with him. Oh, for fuck's sake. Like... (sighs) Would would teenagers not be annoyed with this? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, surely I would have been pissed off with that at like 13 years old still, because I knew I was been taken for a mug. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm gonna just put money on this is not the most popular Fair Street book. That's true. That's true. It's not one I had heard of before we came to it. I haven't heard of any of them. Oh yeah, that's true. Because I didn't read Fair Street at all. <laughs> that's true. And I wish that was still the case. And yet here we are. Yeah, now our brains are full of them. Yep. So they try and make out um, a relationship breakup as something scary. Uh, turns out Roger's gun is his dead dad's gun. Yeah, and also, don't they say Roger's their cousin? Yeah. Wouldn't they know that? Wouldn't they know they had a dead uncle? Yeah. It's her, Well, it's their mum's cousin. Yeah, but wouldn't Still, you know... Yeah. I feel like if someone in your family had... And he died, like, at his work, didn't he? Like, he was a policeman and he died at work. And I feel like if that had happened in your family, wouldn't you know? Yeah. Which is weird. If you had a gun in someone else's house, wouldn't you let them know? Well, but maybe there's a reason. Oh, spooky. Maybe we'll find out the incredible twist at the end. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is incredible. is in its literal sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm incredulous. You are, yeah. So, remember that cop that came? 
I do. About the burglary. Burglary. Mm-hmm. Um, he was called Captain Faraday, and he gave them his card. So I they really were so sure you were going to say Captain Planet. <laughs> He's Captain Planet, mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't notice. But he gave them the card, and so they now they ring him and tell him the whole situation. And obviously, they're worried about Roger. So Kara follows Roger when he leaves on a walk and sees him meeting the guy from the van, the shark man, mm-hmm. Mr. Sh- Mr. Sharknado, um, in a diner, and a fat waitress sees her. Ding, 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 fat phobia. Mark gets a call from Gina, you know, who was broken up with. Yeah, And she I do. sounds a bit, ah. So goes to her house and then uh, falls down a trap. I'm really troubled by this entire next section. You mean where he um, beats the dog to death? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Animal cruelty. Random. There's lots of bingo card filling in in this episode. <laughs> Random, completely unnecessary animal cruelty. It's horrible as well. Also, I think it's a German Shepherd, and I feel like he's also mentioned German Shepherds in several books so far. Did a German Shepherd bite you, Robot Stein? No. Here's, the, here's what happened. Here's what we know he did. Here's what okay. the, the... He killed a German Shepherd. He kicked a German Shepherd to, dog to death. Robot Stein did? He did. We don't know that. He did. I'm saying it. This is my theory. <laughs> okay. Allegedly. You're going to get sued by <laughs> Robot Stein. For the sake of legal things, allegedly. I'm alleging it. Okay. <laughs> I think he kicked a German Shepherd dog to death or speared it into the floor when he was younger. And he was haunted by the idea that someone mm. will have seen him do it. He's never confessed. He buried it out in the woods somewhere near his weekend cabin that he must have had. In the Fair Street Woods. In the Fair Street Woods, which houses all his white supremacy paraphernalia. Yeah. And he's consumed by the fact that someone saw him do it, and one day they will turn around and say, Robot, give me all your millions of dollars. What do you think? So you think he's trying to make dogs look like the real baddies? (laughs) (laughs) So that when it comes out, he'll be like, but look how bad dogs are. I mean, that's not what I was going for. I was just going for that he oh. can't help but get away from this trauma. But I like oh, that you're... Oh, I see. You're... So he's reliving it. I, no, I, I assumed it was a plan. His entire career was to make I'll dogs make the look real bad. villains. <laughs> the real villain is dogs. <laughs> Rosie, don't listen. <laughs> she could not care less. Look. She couldn't give a shit. What just lying there, farting. Oh, and by the way, the dog has a monkey skull attached to its collar. It's collar, but it's not a monkey skull, is it? It's just a small skull. It's just in the a shape little... Of, it's a bit of ivory carved I... into the shape of a monkey's head. Yeah. It's just a little ornament thing. <sighs> it's the dog part is really troubling, because, like, you could have just taken that out of the book, because there's no consequence to this. It doesn't affect the plot in any way. There's nothing. It's just a moment of horrible graphic animal cruelty yeah. for no reason. I mean, that's what this podcast could now be called for this season. <laughs> Moments of horrible, horrific, unnecessary animal cruelty by yep. R.L. Stein. Yeah. <laughs> Multi-millionaire R.L. Stein. So here's my main issue with this book, and there are many. They are legion. Um, it's just, a, a, it's really boring. It's like incredibly one note. It's just this one thing happening with loads of stuff which is no consequence because he just needs to fill pages. But there's like a, an attempt to jump scare on that every fucking page. So we've had the cousin who they definitely knew was in the house, uh, Wind. They, <laughs> an unmade bed. A duvet, yeah. Here's some more things that they're... Wanking they, behind a curtain. Wanking behind a curtain. Some other things they're terrified about. A friend pulling into their driveway. Gina's dad entering a room. The house still being empty. <laughs> a pistol not being where a pistol once was before. And a policeman driving a car. <laughs> it's just so tedious. I will say... At least it's not... Don't you turn around and both sides this. <laughs> At least. <laughs> on the other hand, find people on both sides, because on the other hand... Uh, at least it's not a mop that they thought was a corpse. That's true, but that is the single very niche saving grace of this book. That's true. But they did have an unmade bed, Kirsty, that someone was scared of. <gasps> Kirsty's got an unmade bed here! Oh no! Oh god! My hair! It is made. That's not really made. It's as made as it can be. <laughs> I mean, I don't tuck in or anything. A pregnant person sleeps in that bed. We need a lot of pillows. That's <laughs> <So> true. <laughs> we, we own all the pillows in Glasgow right now. <laughs> and in weird shapes. Yes. <laughs> and angles. Exactly. Just, the entire bed made it's of what you need. In fact, we stayed in a hotel um, for uh, Annie, my wife's birthday, and uh, Glasgow was still in lockdown. So we just stayed in a hotel in Glasgow, up the road, but a nice one. And we had to call and request four extra pillows. <laughs> 
<laughs> to basically like be propped up perfectly in the bed. Um, so you know how we've got, have we got random escalation of violence? That should really be, we've discussed it in previous episodes, it's not on the official bingo card, but okay. I think it should get added. Well, Roger's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, he's dead at his desk with an arrow buried into his back. That's Just so fucking rough. At the bottom of his neck as well, which I think is a really rough place to be shot. That's horrible. I mean, anywhere in your back's not good, is it? I mean, anywhere, not, anywhere. on your yeah, entire not, body, but... I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it, but... Um, so Roger is dead there, and uh, Captain Planet is there holding the bow and accusing Mark. Well, that's not good. Which I don't think is a good way of accusing someone no. being there holding the thing that was definitely used to kill the person and going like, "Look, I found is this, this yours? and picked it up." <laughs> what a terrible policeman as well. Yeah, well, I found the murder weapon and just picked it up with my bare hands. It's almost like he's not a police. He's not a popo. One might think. And then the guy from the van comes. And Captain Planet shoots him three times in the chest. Oof. Random escalation of huge violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Captain Planet fakes phoning for backup, but the phone is still mm. out. He's an imposter, Kirsty. This is what's going on. He's an imposter. He's which a we, po-poster. Which we definitely know. <laughs> an impo-poster. Oh, that's better. An impo-poster. Yeah. I didn't think that through. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, which was really obvious from the fact that he showed up to the house and gave him his card, which police really don't do, and wasn't in a police car. Although I will say the ending isn't obvious because it is fucking stupid. Completely, <laughs> completely far out there. It's like taken from a different book and just added on. It's taken from a Christopher Pike. <laughs> it is very Pike. Very Pikey. Mm-hmm. So our impoposter. Um, oh, that's good. I like that word now. <laughs> there is a stupid fight scene, and basically here's the deal. He's a crazy ex-cop who almost shoots Mark. Um, and then Gina shows up with a hunting rifle and gets Mark and Kara out of there. And then she takes them to a candlelit woodland meeting. Uh, are you thinking KKK? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I've got a quote, which I'm like, you're not quite saying KKK, but you're close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's specifically saying it's not the KKK <laughs> because they're in fact wearing dark robes mm. and holding dark candles. Do you want to read? Well, this is what they say. Well, they're called the White Monkey, though. Yeah. Okay. We of the White Monkey are ready to take back the America that is ours. For too long we have stood by while others determined our nation's fate. No longer. We shall rise up and take back by force what is ours. And he very cunningly doesn't mention a specific group of people. Yeah. Doesn't say who has determined the nation's fate. Could be anyone. Who is it? Which group of people do we think are in charge? Not going to say. <laughs> Definitely, I'm talking about Jews and black people, but I'm not going to say it. And queers. Yep. Can't do anything if you didn't say it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's weird. He's like, I wonder if, had he become aware that he's like, I feel like all of my books are coming across as white supremacist books. Therefore, maybe I'll make the KKK the baddies so nobody will think I'm a white supremacist. I just think it's an odd choice to put in to put basically a fascist organization in a teenager's book. Yeah, and there's just no again foreshadowing. There's no lead into this. There's it's not like that their parents maybe said a couple of things once or twice that they're like, "Oh, that's weird." Or like they'd found a weird book in the house that they're like, "That's weird." Hitler's book. Why is that here? There's nothing like that at any point. No, it's not like like no one mentions. But of course, how would they say? How would they? How would Robot Stein in a bo- in a book in a box? Um, <laughs> I don't think we should even call them books anymore. We should call them box. <laughs> I take my bod when I read my box. <laughs> you should say. David would be like, "Are you reading your book tonight?" You'd be like, "No, we're doing the podcast. I've got to read a box. Got to read a box." That is exactly how I describe what I'm doing, by the way. How would he indicate that the town is run by fascists? Because every town in every one of his books is a white supremacist town because no black people, no people of colour exist. No queers. Everyone is so ludicrously white. Every book is set in this town. And now he's trying to just, like, explain why. It's the Stein multiverse theory. Maybe this underlies all the other books. (laughs) Maybe the white monkey controls the entire Steiniverse. Oh, my God. But he's not... Is he saying it's a bad thing? Well, they're the baddies. Because the police... The, their parents aren't really white monkeys, are they? No. 
But I don't. We see, yeah. Okay. So here's the situation. They're not white. They're not the KKK mm-hmm. because they're wearing dark robes. Although they are wearing white monkey masks, which I think is very. Because also, monkeys aren't white. Yeah, it's a weird choice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, wouldn't you have like? You just a didn't think through. Or... Didn't plan anything. Yeah. Could have picked so many other. I guess a lot of other animals have like racial connotations. Like a monkey has fucking oh, racial connotations. You could have picked any any other. I'm just thinking like animal, lion a, deer. Is, a lion is quite often connected to like Christian, like extremist Christians, isn't it? Or like right wing ideology. Yeah. But like here, uh-huh. I suppose. But like a deer, a badger, but, a dolphin, yeah. <laughs> a manatee. <laughs> I'd love to wear a manatee. Man. A ladybird. Oh. So many choices. <laughs> So it's all very suspicious. So this Kirsty is the Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Gina's dad is in it. And guess what? Their parents are the leaders. Oh, no! No, that's not what it is. <laughs> Their parents are about to be murdered. Such an easy mistake to make. Ruh-roh. Such an easy mistake to make. Um, and the Brotherhood, a weird fascist. You've been listening, to, watching too much Sopranos. <laughs> Let me just take it away from you. Uh, and the CEO is the leader, of course. Okay. I just, I'm sorry, I'm just, <laughs> like, he's not, he doesn't really explicitly, do you have the whole quote there about the, the them ha- explaining how they're fascists? No. It goes on longer, it's doesn't it? terrible. And it's like, yeah, we just taken America back from blah, blah, blah. But it's blah, so blah. vague, like, taking it back from who? Mm. In what way? For what purpose? Yeah. Uh, I w- we could say, if this wasn't R.L. Stein, that that's done on purpose, to show mm. that any kind of fascist ideology can be blown. But it's not, is it? It's always black people and Jewish people and queers. Yeah. So, hmm. Unless, maybe, maybe, they're saying that the... She's reaching. Old, she's reaching. Well, the old straight white men have been in charge for too long. If you and mean, they're going to take it back away from them. If you want a movie that does this a lot better, you can watch the comedy film Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or you can watch Kill List. I haven't seen that. Is it good? <gasps> Let me say, it starts out as very much one film. And it becomes another one, and oh. then it becomes a third. Because I think I thought it was an army film, and that's why I didn't watch it. It starts off as like a kind of like PTSD buddy hitman film. See, that is not my cup of tea. Uh, but it's got Michael Sp- Smiley in it from Space. I don't know who that is. Tires. Oh, with I his didn't new teeth in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it, it's a very and good. Is film. Ben? Is did Ben Wheatley? It's a Ben Wheatley one. Oh, it's see, very marmite. Good. Some okay. people really hate it. All right. I found it terrifying. Is it really violent? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'll give is it, it really violent? Not violent like Saw. Okay. I mean, that's just stupid, isn't it? Yeah, got some glory like bits in it. Violence. Okay. Anyway, back the to violence the book. like for a purpose. I can accept. I think it is a very good film. Okay. Maybe people can let us know what they think. But yeah. I was a big fan and saw it in the cinema and was like shocked. Shook, oh. you might say. Like, really, like, wow. Anyway. So some ridiculous shit happens, <laughs> and then... That could also be this whole podcast. <laughs> yes, some ridiculous Teenage shit screams. happens. Some ridiculous shit happens. Um, and then their dad gets a gun to the CEO's head, and then it's blah, 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 you saved our lives, etc. And here's the situation. Their parents had got Captain Planet sent up on racketeering charges. Okay. Which I feel like is a phrase you really should explain to 17-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of not. Or maybe it's just an opportunity to learn, like how we learned quid pro quo from the Lion King. Maybe, yeah. Like, what are racketeering charges? Like the mafia? I don't really know what racketeering is. There we go. Obviously, you did. If he had explained it, we would now know what racketeering is. I'm pretty sure it is exactly what goes on in a little show called The Sopranos. Oh. In that, yeah, it's organized crime. The perpetrators set up a coercive, fraudulent, extortionary, or otherwise illegal coordinated scheme or operation, a racket, to repeatedly or consistently collect money from the... So it's literally the mafia. Like, okay. that's what the mafia do. So it's not when you have more than two tennis rackets and therefore you're a posho. I think that's actually what it is, yeah. What? Two people. I knew that should be illegal. He, they got him sent up for having four rackets. Sent up or sent down? Sent up. It says in the book, sent up. Oh. To heaven? I thought sent <laughs> down was the phrase. To prison. Yeah. Which is underground. Underneath us. <laughs> It's in the basement, right? <laughs> there we go, listeners. If someone's being sent to prison, are they sent up or sent down? They're sent down in the UK. You sent down they? for it. You say he got sent down. He got sent down for that. Don't go down. Say, what the judge says. I, I'm getting sent up for that. You'd be like sent up where? Sent up means someone's been taking the piss out of you. You got sent yeah. up. Yeah. 
Like a send-up. Look, send-up is what it says in the fucking book. Don't right. bring it with me, bring it with fucking robots. Any fine. American listeners, is that how you say go to prison? Someone gets sent up? And how high are your prisons? <laughs> are they I all mean, ours aren't low, so why do we say <laughs> down? Because you've gone down in the world? Because you have to go to prison now? Well, I mean, let's not get into the morals of the criminal justice system. I mean, whether it's right or not, you will have some uh, consequences from that. Yes, mm-hmm. true, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so basically her parents, the parents are some sort of intelligence agents, which isn't explained because they probably can't. Um, and then Captain Planet has nothing to do with the Brotherhood, it seems. Yeah. They seem to be two entirely different plot points <laughs> that are completely make no sense, but are happening at the same time. Ballsy. And, and really these aren't really connected to the parents missing, which no. is like 90% of the book is them trying to find their missing parents. Yeah. With no mention of this part at all. I will say it's ballsy to do to such major dramatic points that aren't related in any way. Um, and not they, in a good way, in a like a sort of unwashed cheesy ball. Is that your breath, Rosie? Is it fishy? Yeah. Then yes. <laughs> She's burped as well. She doesn't even eat fish and she just smells <laughs> your fishy breath all the time. Um, so the Brotherhood were infiltrating Cranford Industries and were going to take over. So, so, but, so we've got them. You're so, trying sorry, to make so, sense of it, Heather, and it's not going to happen. The Brotherhood are not the racketeering people, though. The Brotherhood of the Fascists, and they were going to take over Cranford Industries. And it just so happens that also a criminal on a revenge quest has stumbled upon this situation. Yeah, but he but he doesn't know about it. He's just after their parents for the racket because he's in the Mafia. And that previously happened previous to the book, that they got him struck off or I just sent so, down or sent I up just or whatever. so much don't care. And, and by the way, Roger was one of their agents. But why would he live with them? They don't all live together. They don't pretend to be family. Why wouldn't he just be put in a house nearby? That would be a fun sitcom, though. <laughs> like, two, so two undercover agents, someone who's pretending to be their cousin but really is a fellow agent, and then the teenage kids who don't <laughs> know anything clue. about any of it. And they're that like, would be a fun sitcom. Why does this freak Don't steal house? my idea, Robot Stein. <laughs> <laughs> Have you come to say your bit into the microphone again? Rosie, please don't knock the microphone. Oh, oh good why, girl. Rosie? Um, so, <laughs> determined really doing your fucking to best. get past, even though it's like a two-inch space. Yes, well she done, She has Rosie. started coming up and like speaking well directly into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. They're two entirely different major real-life things that happen. Fascism and the Mafia. <laughs> Who have no crossover, almost. You know... The Sopranos has shown me that a lot of the Mafia are very racist and it's bad and they do kill people. But I don't know if that's related to, like, fascist kind of white supremacy groups that meet in the woods with candles. They seem to be two different, you know, communities. Yeah, I couldn't say for sure. And there's also the issue of, like, is it a good idea for Robot Stein, teen horror writer, to be touching on issues of fascism without really grappling with them? Which will come up in a subsequent episode where it's subject comes up which is quite disturbing and is just not dealt with at all in the book and is just brought up and then tossed aside you see i feel like ya books and teenage books really can do that but i think robot stein is the least qualified person to talk about any of these things to be fair these were from the late 80s early 90s so this is just then they didn't have fascism or just people expected less of YA? True. Then? True. I feel like people have very high expectations of YA now that they didn't when we were kids. Yeah, true. Like with teen magazines, right? Like, I don't really remember the magazines I read as a teenager being very politically aware. Whereas, like, Teen Vogue is, like, full communist. Yeah, now. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's right. And this is, this is probably why this book gets away with being, you know, this book is to novels what candy floss is to a square meal. Yeah. It's all fluff it's and then bop. a horrible stick in the middle. <laughs> like, it's fucking... It makes no sense. It's surrounded by nothing and then there's a real stabby portion that doesn't... You don't... It doesn't go. Yeah, like, you're eating your candy floss and then you realise the stick has actually got barbed wire on it. Yeah, and it's, like, being aggressively punched into your mouth by yeah. R.L. Stein. Is that not how you eat candy floss? <laughs> Just, like, why? Why? There's, there's... It's all jump scare for, like, 90% of the fucking book and they're like, oh, my God, our parents aren't here. Huh. That's it. That's this is the entire definitely book. one of his weaker. And for Robot Stein, that's saying a lot. Yeah. And then at the end, oh, but fascism and the mafia. Because some of his books are so shit that it's hilarious. Whereas this is just annoying. It's just annoying. Because he's barely tried. He's barely even put words on the page. Yeah. 
That's very annoying. Garbage. Are we ready for Logan's favourite line? Wait, hang on. Can I also say that this is another book that makes me feel sad that people in America have access to guns? Oh, yeah. Too easy. Too easy. If they all had to stab each other, it'd be a lot better. Would it? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be... Well... It'd be different. It'd be, it'd be better than guns, although ultimately you want kind of neither. Yeah. Sticks. Hopefully. Nerf yeah. guns. Maybe. What's your paper guns? <clears throat> the questions all swirled around in my head like clothes in a washing machine. Heavy, heavy clothes. <laughs> Beautiful. Woolen. Love it. Things. <laughs> Excellent simile. Best I've ever read. I also, again, you know the bit, I forgot what I decided to call it, the one bit I do like. Oh, uh, Kirsty's clawing for positivity. <laughs> yeah, here we go. It's also my queer subtext. So the receptionist at the company, whatever it's called. Cranford Industries. Yeah. Is in a, she's in a great looking plum coloured suit with matching tie. Foie. <laughs> I mean, that's a good outfit. That is a good outfit. Plum suit and plum tie. I mean, I'm picturing like Kate Blanchett right now. Kate Blanchett wouldn't wear a tie. I think she would. Oh, maybe a really skinny she tie. Would, yeah, Not the would. big, like, fat knots Not the big you used one. to have when you were at school. Yeah, I'm imagining her in, like, in the... What's that film? The Oceans film. Eight? Oceans Eight? One of the Oceans. The one that she had the suits on in. I've not seen it. I mean, it's not very good, but... I have seen her in a suit, and that is very good. I mean, her in... If, if like, you just watch the scenes with her and Sandra Bullock and imagine... Them kissing. Yeah, imagine the backstory that they're a couple, which is heavily implied, although not on the page... Or not on the screen. It's like heavily suggested that they are exes. I don't know if it's intentional. Oh. I don't know if it's just like the sheer sexual magnetism of the two actresses <laughs> <laughs> makes you be like, they must have fucked. There's a there's a queer gravity why around you? them. Yeah, the queer <laughs> gravity is like pulling them towards one another. So they're like orbiting each other. I can't say for sure that it's in the actual script or it's just them. Right. They've made it seem that way. Oh, I really hope they fucked. I mean, in my, I'm sure there's a lot of fanfic about it, if you yeah. want to read. Just don't watch the film, just read the fanfic. Some things you're just, that you don't need to, I don't want to know whether they really did happen or not, because it's enough to know that they might have. So that, for instance, or the picture of Taika Waititi and Tessa Thompson and Rita Ora. Like, I, of, of course it did happen, but I don't ever want it confirmed, because it will just take away the majesty of me knowing that it definitely did. Yeah. If I get to know that it really did, it ruins it. Yeah, it becomes sordid. Yeah. Whereas you want it to have this mystery and beauty. Well, no, I want it to be sordid, but I want it to be sordid in my mind. <laughs> sordid in a way that you've scripted and directed. I've controlled and, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. can just keep playing it over. Um, I've got a Paris favourite line. Oh, yeah. So we've, I didn't really mention about the fact that his parents are, like, completely described as, like, cute computer people, like, geeks. <clears throat> They're computer people, right? They do everything by a system. Everything the same way all of the time. What? <laughs> I think I use my computer a lot, like, hours every day. I don't do things by a system. No. <laughs> Does he think people are robots? Does he think I mean, computer people are actually it robots? It was late 80s. Computers were, like, unusual. I don't think people really had them in their houses at the time. I mean, we already had the internet by then. That's true. But we just didn't know about it. I feel like techie types that I know are the least organised people that I know as well. No, they do everything by system. No, they, they get don't. up in the morning and they sit up perfectly still like a robot, like a straight back, and then they get up and they walk, and they have got their set... You're looking at me the like, little, how far are you going to go? The little square... I know, I was like, are you going to do the whole day? <laughs> got the little square of butter on the toast just perfectly in the middle. Everything is cut into a square or a rectangle. Yeah. Oblong, you might say. Mm-hmm. Rhombus, if it really is. It's like that... What's saucy? that 80s video that's like all the, the really blocky graphics? Oh, uh, Money for Nothing by... Is it? Isn't it? I could be. I think it's Money for Nothing by okay. Dire Straits. Yeah, it's like that. Which was the first video on MTV. No, wasn't Video Killed the Radio Star the first vi- video on MTV? Are you going to make me... Go on Google Wikipedia it. it. Okay. Money for Another Nothing. episode of Heather Google's Things. I think it's good, though. I remember... I distinctly remember reading that it was Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles was the first video the, on MTV. Money for Nothing, the groundbreaking video, was the first to be aired on MTV Europe. Oh. So maybe it's different. Okay. On 1987. So here are my low lights. Mm-hmm. The unmade bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. The whole list of jump scares and yeah. the entire book. Because it is just a list of jump scares. I do think a little carved monkey skull with sparkly eyes sounds cool. Like, I would like one. Well, you can have that. 
Well, I know. I'll just get you one. Okay. But, but it's fascists. They've made it fascist. Oh, no, I don't want it if it's fascist. I don't like, you know... But I... it's not really fascist. He's just pretended it is. Yeah. But it's then not, he was pretending the whole thing. fascist thing. thing. Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe it is a monkey skull. Is That's what a box is. <laughs> pretending. <laughs> Books and box. All these boxes are just pretend. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, I hated it, Kirsty. I hated it so much. I was wow. fucking pissed off that I had to read it, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> that explains so why you liked last week so much. Because you read it after this one. Yeah, and I was like, oh my you god. You read it out of order. Tension, characters more than like five, <laughs> and then the ending isn't completely ludicrous. I think this was one that he just didn't try that hard on. It's amazing that you can write a book so bad that it makes another book where someone falls down a ravine seem realistic and yeah. <laughs> not ridiculous so next week we are doing next week oh, Heather's checked out she's, yeah. she's resigned she's not doing it well you please know it's the film next week it's the second <gasps> film that is good right I'm excited I can't wait to watch it I haven't seen it yet no me neither so, that will be fun so join us next week where we will be talking about Fear Street 2 the, the film, film. <laughs> except it's a movie isn't it because it's American so it's a movie the movie um, I mean, both are wrong, really. Like, they're not made on film. The moving picture. I know. I mean, it is a moving picture, I suppose, but oh, yeah. it's not like that's the new thing. Like I feel like we're getting bogged down in this. I know. <sighs> <laughs> so, until then, you can find us on Twitter at Teenage Scream underscore and on Instagram at Teenage Scream Pod. And if you want to become a Patreon to get monthly additional episodes where we just uh, ramble on about a bunch of shit like now but different uh, you can become a Patreon <laughs> yep. at patreon.com slash Teenage Scream Podcast and I think it is £4.50 or $5 a month um, and that keeps us in gin and uh, medication <laughs> and box in, in, in these fucking box <laughs> And the Patreon keeps going even when we're on hiatus on the regular episodes. All all Patreon all the time. Yep. And you get to say things to us, but people can do that normally. Yeah. Anything you want. Oh, and don't read the book. Don't read the book. Bye. Bye. Bye.